Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isfah Hardman. Where is Labour? And more specifically, where is Keir Starmer? With every day that goes by, something else seems to be going wrong in terms of the incoming energy cap, the bills, the water shortage. And yet, every day what we tend to hear more is Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak tearing chunks out of each other than what Labour would do in all this. Isabel, when we agreed to do this podcast this morning, I think right on cue, Keir Starmer tweeted, suggesting he might now say something about the energy crisis. But why has he been so missing so far this summer? Well, obviously, it was our coffee house shots schedule that uh, prompted him to uh, give the intervention on the cost of living crisis. I think there are two reasons. One is that he has been away, and I think that probably has had an impact. Although, obviously, all politicians always say, "Oh, I, you know, I don't really take a holiday. I just go somewhere else and work from that." Blah blah blah. But you know, it is nice for them to get a rest, I suppose. The other is that Labour, like. The leadership candidates have been waiting until the end of August when it's a little bit clearer how much pressure is going to be on families as a result of their energy bills. But that has not really worked in terms of the news cycle, which is so often the case, the news cycle just moves faster. And there's been visible impatience within Labour, not just from sort of, you know, backbench MPs and so on, but we've obviously had Gordon Brown, who I think has written for or spoken to pretty much every single media outlet now in the past week about his plans for energy bills and about the need to uh, have a grip on this crisis and he's his lines have become more and more pointed as the week has gone on so he wrote in the guardian yesterday that crises don't take holidays and nor do they politely hang fire and you know who could he possibly have been talking about given the Labour leadership appeared to be on holiday and not saying anything but today we have had an intervention from Sir Keir Starmer he has tweeted that Labour would end energy prepayment premiums giving four million households relief on bills this is part of our energy package to tackle the cost of living crisis now Energy prepayment meters are a real, they're a real racket, actually. It's something that that I was writing about when I was doing consumer journalism back in 2006, which was a very long time ago. And not very much has changed in terms of the, the fact that people on these meters pay more for their energy than people who pay by direct debit and so on. And people on prepayment meters tend to be on low incomes. They might have poor credit histories, which is why they can't go on to a direct debit. Or they might, as is increasingly the case, see a prepayment meter as a way of managing their precarious finances by being able to self-disconnect when they can't afford any more energy, which is obviously a, a terrible situation for somebody to be in. And it's a great injustice that their price per unit is, is higher as a result of that. Now, the energy companies say it's because prepayment meters cost more to manage. And I mean, that was a little bit more justifiable back in 2006, but smart meters have made that. Um, it's a lot harder to, to hold to that argument. So it is a nice policy for Labour to have, but prepayment meters are not the main problem here. And whether you're paying by direct debit or, you know, however you're paying, It's going to be a struggle to meet your energy bills if you are not just on an average income, but, you know, on a previously comfortable income. And so if this is part of Labour's package, you'd hope that this might be the tip of a very big iceberg as opposed to the package. 
James, is it tricky for Labour in the sense that ultimately if they get too much into the detail, they're going to have to start saying how they're going to fund it. Rachel Reeves has had a, a win with windfall tax. It was a policy that was very linked to Labour and then the Tories adopted it, which I think certainly gave Labour an air of credibility. It's harder for the Tories to say Labour talk rubbish on the economy when they're taking their policies. But ultimately, if they go further into the detail, it's going to be a question of, well, are you going to borrow? Are you going to raise taxes? Is that part of the issue? I think that is one half of the issue that you've completely correctly identified. I think the other half of the issue is that this problem is so big that for a Labour Party that has spent so long since Keir Starmer became leader trying to say we're not Jeremy Corbyn, it's actually quite difficult because some of the solutions are so large that I think Labour are are daunted by them. Now, I obviously, as someone on the centre-right, don't agree with these But it is, to my mind, a surprise that all Labour is talking about right now is balancing out the prepayment meter and direct debit stuff. When we're in a situation where, in France, Emmanuel Macron is is nationalising EDF, right? And Gordon Brown, again, not someone on the left of the Labour Party, is talking about the temporary nationalisation of energy companies. And I think part of the problem for Keir Starmer is he has spent so long trying to say, I am not Jeremy Corbyn, I am a sober, responsible politician that this crisis is ill-suited to his approach to politics and the whole of the way he has tried to handle things since he became leader. I think you're also completely right about the windfall tax point because one of the things I think you see is that in the run-up to the local elections in May, Labour ran incredibly effectively suggesting that their windfall tax, which at the time would only have raised about two or three billion pounds, would solve the cost of living crisis, when obviously it was not a sufficiently large intervention to do so. But it gave Labour a point of difference with the Tories, which they very effectively hit. I think in this current situation, they don't have one at the moment. And that is a a problem for them. And I think it is also a potential problem for them because whatever is being said now, and we discussed this on yesterday's podcast, whatever is being said now, I think whoever wins this Tory leadership contest will be out with a package of support long in advance of this price increase actually occurring in October. And I mean, the Labour, if Labour aren't careful, they could find that the Tory candidates are setting out what they would do, and that leaves Labour playing catch-up. And in some ways, I think you can say that Labour are already paying catch-up slightly to the Liberal Democrats, who, again, have come out with what I think one might politely call a kind of classic third-party idea, which is that the state should just swallow the increase in energy prices. The energy price cap shouldn't rise. And so I think this is a challenge for Labour, precisely because they have spent so long, as you correctly identified, trying to rebuild their reputation for fiscal credibility. How do you deal with this? What do you say? especially when the windfall tax, which is the obvious kind of new Labour approved answer, it is no longer a point of difference. Isabel, do you think Kirstama has the confidence to come up with something ra- radical or is just too worried that it's going to undo the work, as James is saying, that he spent so much time doing, trying to put that clear blue water? Because on the other hand, you're already seeing those to the left of Kirstama coming out of their own messages, McLynch, Zara Sultana, you know, coming together with their own video message this week about how more needs to be done. Yeah, I think it's difficult to find much evidence that Starmer enjoys being bold. And regardless of what those around him say, he just he hasn't been. He he might have been bold on party management issues. So maybe it was very brave to chuck out Jeremy Corbyn, for instance, or maybe actually, you know, anyone worth their salt should have done that. 
maybe some of the positions he's taken on Brexit, you know, bringing the party into a sort of reality-based position, maybe those positions are brave. But I mean, I'm not sure you can really argue there are sort of clause four moment along the lines of Tony Blair. And so really, if he believes that he's a bold, radical, exciting leader, he sort of needs to show us it soon. And I know there's there's always a lot of preparation in the run-up to a party conference. I know that Starmer and his Camp C conference this year as the moment, and they've been giving lots of interventions and speeches over the past few months to kind of frame various things ahead of conference and to get a few things out of the way that will upset people in the party, whether on the left or, you know, people closer politically to Keir Starmer. We are still waiting, though, for once all that framing has been achieved, for the, the picture in the frame to emerge. And there's a lot riding on a conference speech for Keir Starmer this year, because I think if it's a a low energy, low vision sort of managerial speech, then I think you're going to get a lot of panic in those who would really like Keir Starmer to succeed and who were, you know, cracking open the champagne or the socialist equivalent, the, the Bollinger for the Bolsheviks, when he won. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, James. And while we have you here, just in case you haven't subscribed already, not just to this podcast, but to the magazine, we have a special podcast offer at the moment, which is try a month for free, and then it's twelve ninety nine for 13 weeks. To make use of that, go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. So that's www.spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Unlimited.